Hi, everyone, and welcome to this very different episode of The Mindful Athlete. It is just me tonight. Uh, my name's Hannah, and tonight we're going to be talking about meditation. So I got this really cool opportunity to go see some of the most current research that's being conducted with um, meditation and what it can help people with, and and all of these are really cool things. And we were going to do a little bit different of an episode last week, but just I I was part of this kind of like community that was learning and growing, and I just had to share it with you guys. Now, don't go wrong. I'm going to make sure that the confidential research research stays confidential, but there was some definitely cool things that I learned last week, um, and we got to spend a lot of time meditating um, in the morning. Sometimes we'd be doing like four-hour meditations, which surprisingly felt like I don't know, like 30, 40 minutes some days, which I never thought that was possible, especially me coming from like a athletic, you know, diagnosed with ADHD at a very young age kid. I never thought that I would be a meditator. And now in adulthood, I'm just finding it's like anything else. It's a skill. You learn how to do it longer and longer. And it's really cool to see young kids. Um, for example, two weeks ago, three weeks ago, I was able to hear a young man who said that he's just getting into meditation. And he's like, yeah, I'm at five minutes a day. And I was so excited for him. And, you know, five minutes isn't a massive amount of time, but it's it's five minutes a day where this individual gets to shut off his brain and just let his body do what it needs to do to heal and recover and do whatever it needs to do. I mean, that's just that's incredible to me. Um, especially since when I was a high schooler, I had no freaking clue what meditation was. I just thought it was for, um, yogis and, um, I don't know, like monks who lived up on a mountain, but now we're finding that it's just this incredible power and it's, it's teaching kids to just be better people. And, you know, it's teaching adults and high performers and leaders of companies and athletes to, basically hone in on what their body's been working on for years. And, and what I say, what I mean, when I say that is that like our bodies innately know how to heal our bodies innately know what we need. And sometimes we just have to get out of the way. Um, and what happens in meditation, it basically kind of shuts off our neocortex and it calms down our like limbic and, and cerebellum and, and it kind of just helps everything calm down so that order can be restored. Um, and one of the coolest things that I think we learned last week, yeah, last week, um, was that individuals who are able to meditate and basically increase their mind and heart coherence are able to increase I think it's IGA levels. Yes, I believe it's IGA levels. And if you don't know what IGA, and keep in mind, I'm just learning a lot about this. So if I say something incorrectly, I'll try to correct myself. Um, but IGA levels are a protein that red blood cells make that's basically like an antibody. It fights off viruses, infections, and whatnot. And what they're seeing is when individuals do very specific meditations and learn how to really calm themselves down, these IGA levels just skyrocket and they're able to protect the body, kill off viruses. And so if we were to take that down and boil it down to the minimum of what that means, it's that individuals who meditate and are basically able to let things go and live happier lives 
stay healthier. And I mean, if you're an individual who who runs a company or is is a captain of a team or runs an athletic team, or if you're just an athlete who has to be there for family members and, and teammates, wouldn't it be important to just take 15, 30, even 60 minutes a day to calm down and let your body do what it it should be doing? I mean, I don't know. I mean, that's just my personal opinion. I could be dead wrong, but <laughs> but I would I would much prefer to take an hour from my day and take care of myself and also teach others around me that by taking time for myself and let my body letting my body do what it should be doing I'm going to be a better person I'm going to be kinder I'm going to be nicer I'm going to be able to think better and and if I haven't mentioned this before if 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 you're a meditator like you rock like thank god for you um because this world needs more of us like and I'm just getting into meditation more seriously in the last 30 days because I started reading the research behind it and I'm a big person if you can't replicate it in research then I can't teach it you know there's always going to be the miracle cases of cancer being cured or or someone who made it because they worked really hard but you know for the general public and and, and if you know statistics you know that 90% 90% of us, 60, I think it's 68.9%. I can't remember what the what the standard deviations are. But like the majority of us are average people. And if the average person can do this, then hell, like the 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 individuals on either end of our spectrum, on the either end of the bell curve, are able to do this too. Like, I mean, you know, we always hear of the stories of of the monk up in Tibet or something who who was able to, um, and I remember this from college when we were researching this, there was like some individual, and I'm not sure where it was, it might've been India or um, Africa or, or somewhere, but they went into this like hot box that was like 150 degrees and through meditation, they were able to calm and cool down their body enough that they could be in there for hours at a time, which is just in reality, supernatural. Like that's just unheard of. Um, So it's interesting to say, okay, if someone who's that good at meditation can literally calm themselves down in this like terrible environment, then, you know, the average day person can at least be happier and let go of stuff, maybe even heal from trauma and pain. And and the reality is we all have trauma. We all have pain. I mean, everybody does. If, If you don't, like, please tell me your life story because, or you're really young, like you just haven't hit your first trauma in your life yet. And one of the fantastic things that I learned this past week was that average Joes and average Josettes are doing meditation and just having these supernatural phenomenons occur to them. And and when I say meditation, please keep in mind, I'm not asking you to join a monk brotherhood or sisterhood or, or become a yogi who, who, you know, meditates for like seven hours a day. I'm just, I'm asking you to take 15, 30, 60 minutes max. If you just want to start there and start meditating and, and start doing it right. You know, don't, don't just find someone who's doing a a meditation and be like, Oh, this, this is fine. No, do the research, figure out where this is coming from and what's this, what it does and why is it valuable and why am I doing this? Um, 
And I also kind of wanted to run through a couple of the things that I learned last week. So if you hear, hear my pages flipping, those are my notes. Um, I take notes on everything. And I love being able to find the research that actually validate what we're seeing. So that way, when my clients come to me, or when leaders come and, and work with us, we're able to actually replicate results. That's what's so important to me. I don't just want people to come and be like, oh, how do I do this? And I'm like, oh, I don't really know. I just saw others do it. I want to be able to show them. I want them to be like, yeah, like she taught me how to do this. And so, you know, I'm just getting into this world. This is great. But the wonderful piece about this is that um, I've been in the psychology world for about a decade now, 10 years almost. Um, my decade, my decade anniversary in the psych world and the performance world will be coming up in, um, up in 2021. And it's just crazy to me how I've spent a decade and I've not known and not gone into the research more around meditation, but definitely tonight we're going to go through some of the notes that I took, um, some of the things that I learned, um, and just, just to share with people because the general public needs to know this stuff. If, if I've been doing it for a month and I felt this much better and this, this have this let much less stress in my life, heck I'm going to share it because I've noticed a change in myself as well as others who are participating in this. And like anything else with individuals in um, in any world, you're gonna find most of the population is in the middle of the bell curve. You know, they have average um, symptoms and they get average responses and they do the average amount of work. And then you have people who go all in and have these amazing recoveries and this amazing stuff. And then you have the individuals who do one or two meditations and then fall off and don't really get much. So meditation is what you put into it. Keep that in mind. Um, meditation also, I learned this last week, means to know thyself. Um, and I'm very big on this with my clients where, you know, we focus on mind, body, and soul every day. And um, if you're not focusing on those three things every day, then life is going to get tough. Um, life is going to, it's not always going to be nice. <laughs> um, but if we're able to control how we react to stuff, that makes life so much easier. It really does. Um, if you let every little thing in your waking day affect you, it's going to drag you through the mud. So um, so I'm, I'm going to teach you guys a little bit about meditation. Again, um, I'm just learning into it. And, and hopefully over the next couple of years, I'll be able to learn more about this and be able to do a lot of replication um, with clients and teach them what I know. Um, but it's just so cool that the past decade of work that I've done in the psychology world is now popping up in research and meditation. And we're seeing the bridge of connection between the both um, both of those worlds. So so here's just some general notes. We're going to keep this one short today. I don't want to um, bore too many people if they're not interested in this. But this is just something that I'm absolutely in love with. Um, and so one of the original concepts about meditation that a lot of people need to know before going into it is that our brain is kind of separated into um, different pieces and parts. You know, you have uh, the optical, um, occipital lobe, which is like how we see things, um, looks that connects to our eyes. We have our neocortex, which is kind of like our seat of consciousness. It's how we kind of interpret people. It's our, it's our forebrain or our frontal lobe. Um, and the neocortex actually makes up like 40% of the brain. It is huge. And that's massive in comparison to other animals. Like where your apes are 17%. I think dogs are like five to 7%. 
Um, so we've got a really big frontal lobe. It's massive. Um, and we don't have it for any for just like no reason. We have it because we have language and we have communication and we can pick up emotions. Um, and that's so important to us. And the neo, the neocortex or our forebrain, our frontal lobe, helps us make choices. Um, and we'll get in more into that research later. And I'll talk a little bit about concussions maybe at a later time and how it can affect that. Um, but another brain I want to talk about is the limbic brain. And this, after we've received information through the neocortex, it does head up to the limbic brain. And limbic brain is kind of like our emotional interpreter. Um, what it does is it takes the information from the neocortex and the occipital lobes, and it basically is knowledge for the mind. And it, it says like, okay, well, we know this from the neocortex and we learned this today. For example, let's say someone yelled at you, right? And the neocortex says somebody yelled at us today. Well, the limbic brain has to have some connection with what happened to us. So the neocortex like hands it a piece of data and the limbic brain was like, well, well how the heck am I going to interpret this in our body? Should we run? Should we hide? Should we flee? Right. And if you don't know what um, fight or flight symptom is, this is where this all occurs. So the limbic brain essentially turns our knowledge of everyday occurrences into emotions and experience is for the body. Okay. This is where we emotionally process information and this is also the seed of an autonomic nervous system. And our autonomic nervous system is split up into two different um, systems that either excite us or calm us down. Those are the um, parasympathetic and the sympathetic nervous systems. Now, which is really cool is that we can actually change our brain waves to help interpret emotions and data that the neocortex um, gets on a daily basis. And we can actually turn on nerves and DNA in different ways, depending upon how we interpret the information that's given to us by the neocortex. So for all the individuals who are like, I have no clue what you just said, what this basically means is that let's say you're sitting in a course or you're sitting in a class or you're sitting in, in work and someone says, hey, we're going to have a test on Friday or we're going to have a um, in-course presentation, blah, 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 blah. Now, the individual has spent their life as maybe a victim or someone who thinks the world is against, against them is going to take this as a threat and is automatically going to connect emotions with this about um, danger, anxiety, insecurity. Whereas someone who might perceive this as a challenge right? An emotion connected to, ooh, this is exciting. This is a challenge. This is something new. Well, it can, will connect that experience with power, motivation, excitement, and um, looking forward to the future. And the only difference between those two people is how you interpret it into your autonomic nervous system. Um, and when I say we can change our brainwaves, that's what I'm talking about, which is like your brainwaves can either say this is a really good thing or this is a really bad thing. And depending upon how you view yourself in the context of your world determines how you're going to take it. And what's crazy is that in research right now, we're actually can see in the brain the second a human perceives a threat or a challenge. And it's interesting to see that the people who perceive things as threats normally are um, have underlying health conditions or um, 
you know, just have depression, anxiety, and individuals who shift that mindset and see it as a challenge actually have um, higher IAG levels, are happier, tend to have less mental health issues. So just with that basic knowledge, if you're struggling and aren't able to maybe get out of your rhythmic cycle of where you are, I highly suggest playing a little game with yourself, which, and sometimes I do this with clients, and this is a real therapy technique that I learned back when I was in college and and when I was doing my one-on-one days um, when I lived in California, which is I will tell a client to think of themselves as two people, right? And so one person is the person who perceives stuff as a challenge, and the other person is the person or um, who sees stuff as threats, right? So either it's your current self and your desired self or um, threat self and challenge self, right? So you have these two people and write down, physically write, you know, you can even name them. They can be, you know, like James and Charles or Cindy and Martha. I don't, it doesn't matter, right? Just make sure you identify them as two different individuals. Write down their names or person one and person two on a sheet of paper and then write about the different ways that they would react. Like, okay, well, if my challenge self would see this test as an opportunity to see how far I've come, right? And I have a couple of days, maybe I should refresh some stuff, see how well I'm doing. Threat self would see this as a moment to become a victim, as a moment to fail, as a moment to, you know, give into those predictions of what everybody thought I was. Um, and just play that game with yourself. Start to play with the idea that you are more than your emotions. Your emotions are just simply a program you've, you know, programmed for however many years you've been alive. And the great thing is if you're below the age of 24, this is easily reprogrammable. I mean, at any age, it's totally reprogrammable. And I have seen 87 year olds redo this and have wonderful lives. So do not think that just because you're a certain age, you can't do this. But when I say if you're below 24 years of age, When we turn 24, our neocortex kind of solidifies itself. It likes to say who we are by that age. That's when we kind of officially get out of the adolescent brain and go into adulthood, where we kind of stick with our habits. Um, And we don't know a lot of research around that yet, which is, could it be that's just when we finish college? Or is that actually true? That's when our brain stops kind of like developing? Or is this just how we are? And we're not really sure yet. But new research is showing that we can grow and change our brains at any age. Really, it's just your willingness to learn. Um, I have individuals learn new languages who I know at 40 years of age. And, you know, it's as easy to them as it is into an 18-year-old. It's just the concept of do you view it as a challenge or a threat? Um, And I just think that's really cool. I mean, so at any age, you could really do this. Just keep in mind that you might find research that says one thing, but there are a hundred different ways to view something. Um, ooh, this is important. So this connects back to it. Sorry, I'm looking at my notes if I stop for a second. But there was something called neurogenesis. And I heard this back when I was in um, my clinical program. And just the book definition of neurogenesis is the growth of new neurons um, within the brain. And if you don't know what a neuron is, a neuron is actually um, kind of this electrical pathway, I guess you could say, in your brain, because your brain doesn't communicate in words. It communicates in energy and um, electricity. That's how our brain works. It's just one giant light bulb. Um, And it sends signals from here to there to tell us how to react and what to do. And we used to think, this was like 
20, 30 years ago, we used to think that when you lost brain cells, you couldn't get them back, right? It was like, there was no way that like, if you didn't learn to scale by 24, well, it's life is it, you know, you're done. There's, there's no way to get it back. You're basically done. And we're finding now in research that that's not true. And, and that old model was actually based on the 19, uh, research done in the 1900s, where researchers actually um, researched rats that were in a non-changing environment, like the very, like they put a rat in a maze and the brain didn't grow any new neurons, right? And so scientists were like, oh, well, you know, rats can't grow new parts of their brains, blah, blah, blah. Well, of course they didn't because they weren't in changing environments. They weren't in growing environments. And we're now physically seeing that if you are placed into new environments and are learning new things, actually it's very easy for the brain to grow and adapt and flourish um, if you perceive things as challenges and not as threats, um, which is just awesome. I mean, if we can now teach, and I'm thinking about the, the larger scale um, concepts of this, but if you're a, a little, if you're a child, you know, five, six or seven years old, and let's say you've been diagnosed with cancer and you're in the hospitals a lot and your stress levels are up and your IgA levels are down. If I can, you know, as a parent, maybe put my kid into new situations and help them see things as challenges and not, not threats, that's going to help them. And if at minimum it makes them happier, God, it's worth it. You know, if you can help a little kid or a child who's in a hospital feel better just emotionally then yeah, they're going to get physically better and, and they have more of a fighting chance. So, you know, why the heck not? Why not do this? Um, so basically what I'm saying is if you think new thoughts and have new experiences, then you will physically change your brain and actually physically change your life. You know, and when you change everything around you changes. And yeah, when you start doing this work and you start thinking differently and you stop thinking those, you know, 60,000 and 90,000 thoughts that you had yesterday and you, you, you change your thoughts to the new day and you're like, you know what, I'm, I'm going to try something new. Some things are going to change. You know, you're going to, you're going to be happier. Maybe even some people will say, Jesus, what pill is she on or he on? And the truth is, it's just a matter of how you think. And, and when I say this, I also want to remind those who are in the process of change that individuals who haven't gotten there, I honor and respect them, right? They just haven't found that moment in their life yet where they they want to change. And that's completely fine. If you want to stay where you are, I honor you and I respect you because that's where you need to be right now. Um, but there there is a moment when we have to change. We have to be better. You know, we have to grow and we have to develop. And if we're not, we're gonna we're gonna become extinct. That's Darwinism, you know. Um So yeah. So I mean, why not try this, you know, and I don't want to, you know, go too long in this episode today, but I think it's really important just to, to start talking about this conversation, right? Your personality is developed out of how you think, act and feel, and it becomes your state of being. So start thinking and acting and feeling how you want to think, act and feel. Stop being a victim of your past and how, how you think it developed you because, if you're still talking about that thing that happened 20 years ago, that tells me that you haven't grown, learned, or developed anything new in the past 20 years. And, and don't get me wrong, I work with individuals who have PTSD and trauma. And some people, it takes 
a lot of work to get out of those things. You know, I still struggle with stuff that happened to me when I was younger. But you got to try and you got to try every day and you got to keep showing up. Just keep showing up as this new person. Yeah, there's going to be days where you literally get hit so hard you feel like you're not going to get back up. It's just those days are going to happen. You know, those days are expected. But when you're in the mindset of growth and development, you now see them as opportunities to grow and develop through them. Um, something I've extremely, ex- something I have seriously, seriously learned, even in the last two weeks while I've been really diving into this research, is the hardest days to meditate and the hardest days to slow yourself down and the most stressful days are also my greatest teachers. You know, they they are the moments where I strip myself of everything I thought I knew about myself and I develop these new habits. And I'm saying, you know what? Oh my gosh, that thing was so hard. I couldn't get out of my beta brainwave. And beta is the first level. That's like our conscious thinking level. I couldn't get into theta or delta. I couldn't get into any of those, but I kept showing up and I kept trying. And all of a sudden, if you go through an hour meditation, you just kept redirecting yourself and redirecting yourself and redirecting yourself throughout that whole meditation, then look at you. <laughs> like, I mean, you're freaking, freaking amazing. Like you just spent an hour battling yourself and you won. You won. Like you went, your goal was to get through an hour and you said, I'm not getting up and, and I'm just going to keep redirecting myself for an hour until I'm able to calm down and let my body breathe. And that's, that's a win. And if you keep showing up every day and you keep doing it, then there's never a day that you lose. It's just learning to battle and learning to get through it. And then eventually you're going to have a moment where you're like, oh my God, I'm happy. Oh my God. Like it's going to happen. You know, you just got to keep showing up. So to all my people who are just getting into meditation or are not too sure about meditation, I welcome you to just try seven days, right? Do seven days of 30 minutes and see what happens. You know, nothing might change or you might get better, but isn't it kind of worth trying? you know? Um, So I'm going to send off now. I'm not going to drag this out too long. If you want to know more about this and, you know, there's Hebb's Law and all this research that's currently being done, please comment, uh, click, send me an email, head over to the website, um, send me stuff you're interested in. I'm happy to do these shorter podcasts that maybe, you know, you're listening to walk into class or walk into an office meeting or something like that. Um, So please feel free to reach out, give me a request or a comment. And I'll make sure to put it on the show. But for now, everybody else have a great day and uh, hope to see you on the next podcast.